welcome to the Mindfulness Meditation Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Eshelman. Every Wednesday at the Rubin Museum of Art in Chelsea, we present a meditation session led by a prominent meditation teacher from the New York area. This podcast is a recording of our weekly practice. If you would like to join us in person, please visit our website at rubinmuseum.org meditation. We are proud to be partnering with Sharon Salzberg and teachers from the New York Insight Meditation Center. In the description for each episode, you will find information about the theme for that week's session, including an image of a related artwork chosen from the Rubin Museum's permanent collection. And now, please enjoy your practice. So nice to be back with all of you after a little break. I hope you're very well. And I am grateful to see you all and to continue this this ritual we have going on here. Welcome to the Rubin Museum of Art. My name is Dawn Eshelman, and uh, it is a pleasure to be here with you for our weekly meditation practice, which I will remind you changes to Monday in January. And... It is here in New York City in the Western Hemisphere. It is fall, although it feels like winter today. Uh, So this is a time of harvest, of taking account, of sort of looking back at the, as we near the end of our Gregorian calendar and just see all the bounty in our lives and all of, um, all of the things we have to be grateful for. So We're talking this month about gratitude and how that serves to really empower us in this year of power here at the Rubin to, um, you know, really uh, stand strong in all that we have together. So we're looking at a beautiful object today. This is Avalokiteshvara. This is the Bodhisattva of Compassion. And this um, particular Sculpture here is from Nepal, 1600s. And we can see that Avalokiteshvara is standing in a peaceful pose with this prayer-like gesture and is wearing the jewels of a bodhisattva. And that bodhisattva, again, is a figure uh, um, of a, a being that has reached enlightenment but actually decided to stay here on earth to help all others reach enlightenment. And Avalokiteshvara is um, a figure that inspires a lot of gratitude, right? And it's interesting, that relationship between compassion and gratitude. There's uh, one way of cultivating compassion through a kind of empathy with suffering, right? And another way is through this um, lens of appreciation. And Avalokiteshvara inspires that in a lot of uh, practitioners who um, are devoted to Avalokiteshvara. And for those of us who are not, it can serve as an inspiration. And uh, I invite you to just bring to mind someone in your life who has compassion for you and to send them a little bit of appreciation and gratitude right now. So we're about to feel a lot of gratitude for our teacher today, Lama Arya Droma, who is back with us. So nice to have you back. 
She has studied and practiced Tibetan Buddhism for over 10 years, and I know when she first came, um, I told you all the story, uh, and she did too, of how she became a, a nun in this tradition, and it all started in our bookshop. That's right. So it's really wonderful to have her as part of the series. She's trained in the Dharma Path program offered by Kagyu Tupten Choling Monastery and is a graduate of traditional Tibetan Buddhist retreats spanning three years and three months. She graduated from Mumbai University with a BA in Sociology and is trained in computer programming from NIIT in India. She actively volunteers as a fundraiser for breast cancer research and supports several nonprofit organizations. Please welcome her back to our program, Lama Arya Droma. Thank you, Dawn, for the lovely introduction. And uh, hello and welcome, everyone. Thank you all for being here today. Um, I'm so happy to be here with you all. Uh, it brings me great joy to come here and see all of you all uh, wanting to learn mindfulness meditation. And what you do when you learn mindfulness, me mindful meditation is you basically give joy back with your sense of peacefulness and joyfulness. And uh, do we have any newcomers here today? Wonderful, welcome, welcome. The best decisions you made today. <laughs> you know, I'm laughing at my own story because uh, it was in January, I had made a New Year's resolution that I should go back and start uh, my mindfulness meditation practice. Uh, and uh, before that, I had come to the uh, Rubin Museum and uh, got a book here, which is called... Um, the Buddha Within You by Surya Das, and I had found this lineage. So I went looking for the lineage and I found a place in Manhattan where they teach, uh, you know, uh, the Kagyu lineage of uh, mindfulness meditation. So it was my New Year's resolution. I went there to learn mindfulness meditation. And the next thing I know, I became an ordained nun. So watch out. <laughs> uh, but there were many seeds in me, you know, from the age of eight, uh, that, you know, seed after seed, seed after seed, um, that was the journey, my own spiritual journey. And one of the stories is I found the book here and found the Kagyu lineage. Uh, so I'm so happy to be here with all of you all. And for all the newcomers, I assure you the session is going to be very easy to follow and we'll have Q&A later. So feel free, this is your time, feel free to ask any questions you have um, and I'll gladly answer them all. So today the beautiful artwork is of Avalokiteshwara. He's also called Lokeshwara and many, uh, he, although he originated in India, he took different forms. Uh, like in China, he was called, he, it's a, uh, he took a form of a she, uh, she's in the, he is in the female form called Guan Yin and beautiful, um, um, uh, Guan Yin is so beautiful and peaceful, you know, and another enlightened being. 
And uh, in Nepal, uh, um, Chenrezi is called, or Avalokiteshwara is called Karunamaya. And Karuna means compassion. And uh, of course, in Tibet, it's Chenrezi. And uh, in India, Avalokiteshwara, Lokeshwara. So he's taken different forms because he was so popular. And uh, it's very, very rare to see the image of him standing. And this is such, you know, when I was sitting there, I was so drawn to this beautiful artwork. Um, and what is beautiful when you'll come here to the to Rubin Museum, it, you know, sometimes we take it for granted because there are so many of these images. But to a Buddhist practitioner, it takes a lifetime to see even one of these images. And here there are so many you know, every week when you'll come, you'll see different images. And what happens to most of us practitioners, there's a pull, there's a magnetism towards these beautiful um, statues because a lot of them are consecrated with uh, sacredness. It's like almost when you are in church and you take the Holy Spirit and the wine, which is, um, you know, sacredness to you all, which is consecrated. It's very similar. Uh, um, and this is almost like that. So when we see figures like this, there's such a strong pull and it awakens our own enlightened nature. So when you feel like that, a certain pull or a magnetism or, or just an awe when you see these figures, dwell in it and, you know, dwell in it and feel that moment in time. And uh, so he... Uh, is a symbolic expression of the enlightened nature of one's own mind. Our pure um, primordial mind is of com loving, compassion and kindness. kindness. May, although we may not know it at this moment because we probably have a, a lot of delusion, we have a lot of mental afflictions such as anger, jealousy, um, hatred, resentment, all these negative uh, afflictions we all have because we all are human beings, we are dealing with the world. It is all transferable to all, to loving kindness, to compassion, to love. And it's just a switch, you know, it's as easy as that. Because why? We have that innate loving kindness and goodness within us. So to have inner peace, happiness, the key factors to cultivate a compassionate heart. And the word here is to cultivate. So what we in the monastery, you know, what are our practice? It is a practice of cultivating loving compassion, kindness, goodness. It is cultivating these things. So in almost all the Buddhist monasteries around the world, the, the practice of Avalokiteshvara, Chenrezi, is practiced daily. And it's with this practice that was most transformative for me, um, which opened my heart of compassion. And you know, I truly felt that sense that I'm only here to benefit beings. I truly, truly felt it in my heart. And this practice, uh, the practice of Chenrezi, has been transformative for uh, many, many of Buddhist students. Uh, so this past Sunday in a mon monastery, we had a event called Merit Day. So what is Merit Day? Merit Day means 
doing good day activities. Uh, so there, there were 200 people who attended the event uh, upstate in our monastery. And uh, there were many, many activities, like some of the activities were uh, chanting chen the Chandresi uh, sadhana, the ch uh, Chandresi practice. Um, we chanted it, and what it invokes is, you know, it's all translated in English and translated in Chinese, and it is in the Tibetan text. So it invokes our own compassionate nature. It's such a powerful prayer. And uh, then uh, the people could, we went and released some fish. There was a place where they held fish as baits for people who wanted to fish. But what we did was went and released buckets, the whole store basically, we released it <laughs> into, you know, there was a beautiful uh, stream out there. So we released it. So what it symbolizes is uh, our own uh, longevity of life and good health for our own health, releasing this fish, it's symbolic. And then we, you know, obviously we chanted Chandrasi, we released the fish, and then we put all around the monastery prayer flags with prayers. And the idea being is each time the prayer flags blew in the wind, the prayers spread all over the community and it benefited the community. And these are all symbolic gestures. And then we had a huge, uh, fire puja, uh, where we prepared a lot of food and everything as an offering uh, to remove all our obstacles. Again, all these are symbolic, um, but each impressions are in our mind. You know, it makes an impression in our mind. It makes a memory, so we can always go back to it. It always arises in certain times to rem remind us, yes, we participated in this fish release, we participated in the chanting. And that whole day I could see there were 200 people, uh, all kinds of people, old, young, and there was such harmony. And so I feel today is also like a merit day that all of you all come together and, you know, for um, the goodness of the community and for your own spiritual growth. So again, thank you for being here. So another important factor to cultivate is gratitude. And gratitude is the theme of this month. And now psychologists can scientifically prove the tremendous benefits on the quality of life of having gratitude. You know, who would think that they can even measure gratitude scientifically, but that's what it's what it is. Because in our Western culture, we are, we are thought to be more competitive and it's more of an Eastern uh, concept of developing compassion and uh, loving kindness. It's cultivating. Here is, uh, in the Western uh, context, it's more of developing um, competitiveness and so on, etc. But having gratitude, you know, this, a lot of leading researchers say it reduces most of our negative emotions, ranging from jealousy to anger, resentment to frustration and regret. So, developing gratitude is really the most important antidote for negative emotions and one of the simplest way to improve the satisfaction of your own life. If any of you all feel, oh my God, why have I been dealt with this terrible things that's happening to me? It's really important to bring your mind to all the things you're grateful for. So, and how does one cultivate gratitude? 
by making it a practice. Literally, it's practicing. Just like you'll come here to practice mindfulness, it is also practicing gratitude. So for me, um, I'm leading a spiritual life. So when I wake up, my, my first thing I bring to mind is five things I'm grateful for. And it can also be as simple as the white sheet, you know, beautiful sheets on my bed. You know, how many of us are so lucky? All of us here, we have these beautiful beds, all these advertisements, you know, the bigness and the softness and everything. And imagine we have this comfort of sleeping in our own beds with clean sheets and waking up. So since it's a practice, why don't we practice now to bring five things into our mind of gratefulness? We'll just sit, you know, in a meditative mindfulness posture and just bring into mind five things you're grateful for and really feel it. You can bring anything into mind, but bring five significant points of gratefulness and just really dwell in it. Feel it, feel it with an open heart, okay? So we'll sit upright and just breathe gently, you know, inhale and exhale, breathe in and breathe out. And feel in your heart this immense feeling of gratitude to all the things you have today. And just be thankful. Just bring five things into your mind and just sit and reflect on this. So I wanted you all all to get back into this five points of gratefulness or gratitude you feel today because this is how one cultivates and practices gratitude, gratefulness. Um, to how do you cultivate it? By regularly reflecting on being grateful every time you feel something negative or if you feel depressed, or if any of these emotions of anger, why me, all these thoughts come, immediately bring into mind gratefulness. You know what you're grateful for that. And how does one cultivate is from moment to moment in a day to bring this thoughts of gratefulness. So make this a practice. You'll definitely be more joyful. Uh, today, I took all these for granted, you know, the feelings of gratefulness. And when I really in the morning, when I start my day with five thoughts of gratefulness, I really feel so joyous because it's hard to bring into mind joyfulness because we always have stories uh, after the thought of joyfulness, you know, something negative perhaps. But gratefulness for something, it brings in, it invokes something more um, and it keeps like a fuel for the day. So how do you cultivate again? Bringing it moment to moment as you step in, if you watch your thoughts, when something negative thoughts come into, my, come into your mind, bring into mind thoughts of gratefulness. So now we go back to the mindful, uh, mindfulness meditation and there's another important factor to cultivate and that is compassion uh, and loving kindness. And that is what 
embodies Chandrezi. When we see Chandrezi in the monastery, we connect with him to be the Lord of compassion. And it invokes our own loving kindness and compassionate nature when we do the praises. And we do it every day. The, uh, and the praises are so beautiful. Uh, one of the uh, sentences in the practice text is to see all the human beings as, as we would see our own mothers, our own fathers, or people whom we love unconditionally. And so when we look at everybody in that context, there's a lot of feeling of love develops. You know, we are so separated sometimes um, in, in cities especially. We don't even know what the neighbors do. But when we invoke this loving kindness in the prayer text and look at all human beings as though they were our mothers, um, that's when you understand the sense of love for all people. And we do this practice daily so we can invoke that emotion and make it stronger and stronger because this is what we want to put our attention on positive feelings rather than invoke any negative feelings. So how do we cultivate compassion and loving kindness? We just need to train ourselves to shift our attention from the negative thoughts. These negative thoughts keep arising and it's just like acknowledging, okay, that's negative thoughts, and then bringing into mind loving kindness and compassion. So on this note, the mindful meditation, uh, the session today will be on loving kindness and compassion, and it's really very easy and simple. Um, all of us at some point in our lives have felt unconditional love towards somebody, towards your son, towards your daughter, towards your mother, towards your father, or maybe even to yourself. <laughs> we do love ourselves sometimes <laughs> uh, unconditionally. Well, just invoke that feeling, you know, invoke that strong feeling. So I'll give you a guided meditation. And so all you have to do is bring that feeling of deep love and kindness into your mind stream when you meditate. To start, you can generate this feeling of happiness and loving kindness uh, towards someone you already know. It could be, your ch as I mentioned, your child, your parents, grandparents, spouse. And then all you have to do is to extend it to the people around you. It could be your neighbor. It could be to more people. It, it could be just to this room full of people. And if you feel more generous to the whole world, and this is a practice, and it's a very, very easy practice. And when you start doing this, it, you will feel so uh, wonderful within you. I assure you, um, as I mentioned, this practice of Chandrazi has been so transformative for me. And uh, so again, now when we start the meditation session, uh, I have, I've noticed we have so many teachers here, wonderful teachers, giving you so many uh, meditation practices. And... Please understand, meditation is not a one-session thing. Every time you come in for a meditation session, you have many different teachers. You will take in one point. You will take a different point. So it's growing. Your meditation process will be growing as well. I initially thought, 
I'm just going to do one meditation session, that's it, and then I will practice. But no, each time I went, each time I practiced, my own experience changed, and then the teacher would give us a clue, and something stayed within my heart, and something I let go. So meditation, mindful meditation, is an ongoing process. You're going to learn with new teachers, you're going to discover things within yourself, okay? So when I'm teaching you, I'm really teaching you from my tradition, of what I have been taught because they're very strict in that manner that we teach exactly what has been taught and we don't add our own uh, BS. <laughs> they make it very clear and if we do add our own BS, we are supposed to put our hands up and say, this is my own thinking, <laughs> these are my own thoughts. So when you start the meditation, there are only two essential points in this tradition. The first is your body which is the essential point of your posture. And the second is the essential point of the mind. So in this tradition, when we start the uh, meditation, there are seven postures to the body that to keep bring to mind. And uh, the seven postures in the tradition are so to align the body and keep the body grounded during meditation. So when you when you are really becoming a serious meditator and you want to go off into some cave and meditate for hours together, this posture you, is very beneficial. Or even if you want to do just one minute or five minutes, okay? So I'll go through the body postures. And however, please note, we all have different body types. You know, as long as you keep uh, certain key points, one is to keep your sp spine straight, all the other body postures that I'm going to uh, talk to you, if you cannot, it's quite okay. Just try each day to get a few of these postures right. And most important, you have to be comfortable, okay? So the first point of the posture is to keep your back straight. If you're sitting in the chair, it's best not to lean behind. Why? Because you know that the back rest is kind of a, obstructs the meditation practice. But if you feel like, that's fine. And, uh, you know, keep your uh, feet parallel on the ground. It's not so good to keep it crossed. And if you're at home and you want to sit on the floor, absolutely all right. You can sit in the lotus position or you can sit in the bodhisattva position, what you feel comfortable. And your shoulders... Keep them squared, they're not slumped. It's nice to sit like this slumped, but then it's nice to be squared because it brings all these attention. Your hands, you know, they can be resting with your palms down on your knees or in most of the Buddha statues you see in the equipoise posture, which is right or your left with your thumbs touching and you just place them on the lap. So that's one of the uh, postures. The chin is tilted slightly like this and your lips are gently touching, the tongue is resting naturally on your upper palate, and your eyes, so when you tilt your neck like this, automatically your eyes, the gaze of your eyes will go down, and then just find a spot there, you know, and in this tradition, we try to keep our eyes opened, but I think a lot of people, you know, feel comfortable with your eyes closed, so you can keep your eyes closed and slowly practice to keep it open. Why do we keep our eyes open? Because it's, when you close your eyes, it's very easy for you to fall asleep. And the idea is to be awake, you know, an awakened state. Okay, and we keep all our senses open, our eyes, our sight, everything. So that's something we will practice, okay?
So now we'll start the guided meditation. Please sit upright with all the postures. And we'll try to do 10 minutes of this uh, meditation. So during the meditation, your mind needs an anchor. So place your mind's attention on your breath. Just breathe in naturally in your own rhythm and, and bring to mind the feeling of unconditional love and kindness and compassion. And as you breathe out, let this loving kindness and compassion fill the whole place with white light and just breathe that out, white light of loving kindness and compassion.
Anytime you catch your mind wandering off and thinking thoughts, just say thinking, no judgment, and just drop the thoughts and come back to your breath, bringing all your attention on your breath. Inhale and exhale. And as you breathe out, just imagine you're sending out pure loving kindness and compassion in the form of wild light that goes out in all directions and all the beings are filled with joy. So continue this meditation, inhaling and exhaling your attention on your breath. Do not follow the past. The past is finished. Do not follow the future. The future is not here yet. Just rest in the present moment of awareness, putting all your attention on your breath. Inhale and exhale gently in your own rhythm. And as you exhale, just breathe out unconditional loving kindness and compassion in all directions and just imagine all the beings being happy.
Okay, relax. So in your chairs, you can just relax. And if you want to gently roll your neck or... This practice of loving kindness is called Tongling in Tibetan. And it is one of the most highest practice, which is taking in everybody's suffering. It's even, this is an abbreviated form that you're sending out this loving kindness of light to all the beings. But when we do the practice, we're literally taking in all the people's suffering and sending out white love of compassion and love. It's a very altruistic practice. It's also very transformative. But for now, you, will, you can do this practice of sending out loving kindness, light to everyone. Why? Because, you know, you have a choice in the meditation. The purpose of these meditation is to train your mind. And when you are sitting here, as I tell you, you know, thoughts will come. And when you look at, when you recognize your thinking, just say thinking and then let go. And then bring your mind back to your breath. So when you're doing this sitting practice, when you are out there doing your day-to-day -day life, when these negative thoughts come, you can say, I'm not interested, I'm letting it go. And I'll bring to my mind, you know, thoughts of loving kindness. And you can sit even for a minute or stand and breathe in. And when you breathe out, breathe out this loving, unconditional, loving light of compassion to the whole world. Just breathe and be in that essence. So this is why in while we sit here, when we do the formal practice, we are doing, we are training our mind. So we can have this training when we go out and do other things in our day-to-day -day life. And we have a choice of making our minds happy. So when I learned meditation, as I was you know, going to work, I had a choice. I had a choice of either judging everything that I see. That's what we do, you know, everything seems interesting. We advertising and uh, advertisements all around the world. It's in Manhattan, it's, you know, we are bombarded with it. And then what we do, we judge. And then of course we, we say, oh my God, I don't have that car. I, do, I need to get that dress or I don't have, you know, and instead of feeling not having or being upset, you have a choice to do this meditation, even as you're walking, nobody needs to know, but you're spreading the white light, you're spreading joy internally. And this is uh, something very, very important for our own practice. Thank you so much. That concludes this week's practice. If you'd like to attend in person, please check out our website, rubinmuseum.org meditation to learn more. Sessions are free to Rubin Museum members, just one of the many benefits of membership. Thank you for listening. Have a mindful day.